Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppet Christmas Carol two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And we are joined by a return guest, someone who hasn't been with us in a while, but we're thrilled to have her back. Who are you, guest? I'm Marissa Lascala. You can find me at, at Sports Alcohol. Oh, yeah. Great. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming back. We're thrilled to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so glad I could do it this time around. All right. And we are talking today about minutes 11 and 12 of The Muppet Christmas Carol. In these minutes, Scrooge grumps at his staff and nephew Fred drops by to say Merry Christmas. So we start with Scrooge telling Bob Cratchit, one might say that December is the foreclosure season, harvest time for the moneylenders. And we've talked about this a little bit, but this is another Jerry Jewell original. Charles Dickens did not write that. That line is not None in the of book. It? None of it. Wow. It's not in any so previous great, adaptation. <laughs> yeah, it, right. It sounds so much like Dickens, I think. like Harvest time for the moneylenders. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, like while Googling it to see if I could find it in any other adaptation, I did find one blog post where it was like, in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge says... Harvest harvest time for the moneylenders and all this. It's like, well, no, he doesn't. And, and That's how rumors started. Yeah, they fooled him. Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. And what I love about this also, though, is like the contrast between the rasp in Michael Caine's voice and the just delighted smile on his face as he says harvest time <laughs> yes, for the moneylenders. He's really, uh, yeah, he's, he's not a nice guy. Yeah. So can I say what I wanted to say about this movie versus the uh, Mickey Christmas Carol? Please, by all means. Okay, so I actually, I live in a divided household of who likes Mickey Christmas Carol better and who likes Muppet Christmas Carol better. Oh. And I, I'm actually, you guys are going to kill me, but I'm usually on the Mickey Christmas Carol side. And I think it's because I consider it such a feat of like editing, like boiling mm-hmm. it down. It's so short, That's right? Just true, boiling yes. it down to like, what's just the essential components that you need for a Christmas Carol story that still like moves me. Yeah, it's but, like 25 or, minutes. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you still have to have like all the iconic moments and like make people feel things. So I don't know if it's just I'm more impressed with that. But I feel like where my argument kind of doesn't hold water anymore is that in Muppet Christmas Carol, you get to like luxuriate in this Michael Caine performance where he's like so serious and he's just like yelling at rats in these minutes. (laughs) And it's like, I'll lap it up, you know, all the minutes I can get. Right. No, yeah. M- Michael Caine. I mean, we've talked about this already, but yeah, he's so great and he's so dedicated. Right. Like, it's like he, he really is harvesting the money. You know, it's not he's there's like no winking to this performance. He's in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he gets sure. plenty of time to show us how bad Scrooge is. Right. Well, and although since you brought up Mickey's Christmas Carol, which I do love, I, I watch it every year. I feel like I'm not going to I'm not going to kick you off the podcast for, <laughs> for praising a good thing. But I do love especially Pete as the ghost of Christmas future at the end. Yeah, he's scary. When he, when he throws off his hood and says, you'll be the richest man in the cemetery. That's the greatest. Yeah, he's like, that's <laughs> that big cigar. It's like, yeah. yeah like, you know, cartoon characters don't smoke cigars anymore. <laughs> right. Well, and even in 1983, they didn't. All, you know, it's not, it's, it's not like the Smurfs are chomping down on cigars. Not much, no. Right. Not much. <laughs> Next, the rats all crowd around Kermit, and they're excitedly encouraging him to ask him, do it, come on. And Bob Cratchit, 
Kermit, he does do it. He asks for an extra shovel full of coal for the fight. One of the rats calls him Boss. Did I hear that right? You don't think he says Bob? I think Bob. Oh, maybe it's Bob. I was wondering if Bob Cratchit somehow is like the head of the bookkeeping staff. Just like one wrong below Scrooge. But no, maybe, yeah, maybe he said Bob. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I would think, I mean, I guess he could be the head of it, right? Like, he's the only one who wears clothes. Yeah, (laughs) who wears complete (laughs) wardrobe, yeah. Um, Also, Kermit, when he's sort of preparing to to give this little speech, he taps his fingertips together, which is such a small puppetry movement, but it's just one of those little things that really makes it seem like he's a real person, like, kind of, he's nervous, but he, he knows he has to to bring this up to his boss. So right. I like that. And this is, we should note, this is also the second movie in a row in which an old man hires Kermit and a bunch of rats. That's true. Establishment. Yeah. Like Pete and, and Ebenezer Scrooge are very different characters, <laughs> but they both have the same hiring practices. Mm-hmm. So, but then uh, they, the rats all really want it. We hear the, Ryan, you mentioned last week the Steve Whitmire rat who sounds like Rizzo but isn't Rizzo. Exactly like Rizzo, though. Really. Yeah, it's him doing doing Rizzo's identical voice. And he says, all of our pens have turned to inksicles. And then a Jerry Nelson rat says, our assets are frozen. Yeah. I, Which I think I didn't get that joke for a long time. You didn't get that it was supposed to sound like a rude word for butt. Is that what you mean? No, it's about frozen. Oh, you you... Fro- like, I didn't know the concept Asset, of, Frozen assets, yeah, right. Yeah, freezing yeah. one's assets when I was Freezing one's assets, right. When I was a kid, I got the... Because I think it's a, I think yeah. it's a double entendre. It, you think right? there, it's, like, it's working on two levels? I, I yeah, do. Or three, I really. The kids are laughing at one thing, and the parents are, like, kind of laughing at something else. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, I definitely thought it was like, oh... Because, like, The Lion King, for example has the joke where Timon says, why do I always have to save your, ah, if, mm. you know, like, like this was the time when, when movies were doing that kind of like, well, is he going to say a swear word? Yeah, really. Know? Like the Lion King, that Pumbaa's um, uh, <laughs> flatulence in Hakuna Matata was very controversial when that came out. I remember. Right. There was well, a lot of talk about like the... Walt Disney would never approve of this. Did you see the remake of Lion King? No. It's bad. My goal is to never see that. Right. But they just say fart in that. He really? Says, I got downhearted every time that I farted. Yeah, he just says it. Oh, so they're even removing the joke of it, right. of the innuendo. They're just coming out and saying it. Yes. Wow. Yes. They're, they're also removing the joke of the animation looks fun and pleasant. Yeah. And replacing it with, <laughs> with a movie And that claiming that like it's live action when it's actually not live action at all. It's, it's no. not live action. John Favreau should be fired. We should write Disney is strongly worded. Yeah, letter. let's do it. All right. Um, but but then Scrooge busts out his catchphrase because Scrooge yells, how would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? <laughs> yeah, and he yells that with such conviction. Right. It's like so intense. There was and, a video on AFI's YouTube channel on this movie. And Brian Henson cited this as what he described as the one time that Michael Caine deliberately made a choice to be funny as Scrooge. I don't know that that's accurate. I think there are a couple other things in the movie where Scrooge is funny, but he he noted this as a, a time that Michael Caine did something funny in the Scrooge well, and of character. Of course, Scrooge is, 
Scrooge is going to do this exact same thing again before too long. Well, yeah, that that too. You know, on, when, when he yells on the unemployment line, yeah. which we'll, we'll hear, obviously. Yeah. yeah and he's but, funny when he's, like, not breaking the character. Right. Although, right. speaking of breaking, the rats break the reality of the movie, like, immediately after this. Because they're all of a sudden all in tropical dress and start singing Heat Wave, This Is My Island in the Sun, Oi, Oi. And Which, so like that's the other part of like my Mickey argument where it falls down because like you don't have time for kind of like a side gags like that. Right. Like, yeah. That is just delightful. Right. Well, and we should note that this is actually a reference to two different songs. Uh, Love is like a heat wave was a hit for Martha and the Vandellas in 1963, and then Island in the Sun is a Harry Belafonte song, which he sings in the 1957 movie of that same name. And the reason I'm sure it's a reference to both of those is that they're both listed in the closing credits. Yeah. Un- oh. Under the song. The the really interesting thing about that, though, is that those are the only songs that are listed under songs in the credits of this movie. It does not... Is that right? Yeah. It does not say, you know, Scrooge, music and lyrics by Paul Williams, uh, Thankful Heart, music and lyrics by Paul Williams. It says songs, and then it just lists these two songs. Is that right? Yeah, huh. that's absolutely I right. A, I just double-checked to make sure they were there. Yeah, yeah. Um, huh. And I don't remember where exactly this was, but once years ago, I read a review of this movie. It might have been in one of those Leonard Malton like, capsule review books, or it might have been in The Video Hound. Did you ever have those? Which is like a, I saw it on the shelf. Yeah, like a big book of, of short movie reviews. Yeah, of it's movies like on a scale of like, bones like zero bones yeah, yes right? yes that's, that's that was the move the the video hound like movie rating movie system a four bone movie. <laughs> right. and i think if it was really bad it would get a woof maybe a woof, yeah so anyway it was one of, no, some, I wish I'd bought it. some publication like that but did a review of this movie and they said like uh it's pretty fun uh, movie for families but uh the the songs by paul williams which include heat wave and island in the sun are not that memorable so whoever wrote yes, that review were. just like skipped to the credits and wrote down "He Wave" and "Island in the Sun" because those are the only right. songs that are listed That's in the so Christmas funny. movie. He, right, he yeah, the, the two heat themed. Right, didn't bother to do any additional research, but right. Although we should like getting back to the the gag itself, it's so perfectly executed. I think because it feels like something that could break the reality of the movie, and then it just yeah. doesn't. Like the the rest just do the gag and then leave. And then, like, Scrooge and Bob Cratchit just kind of, like, move on. Right. <laughs> like, it's a Christmas carol. Yeah, the other thing I found on this, uh, in the Oh My Disney video that I've talked about um, on this movie, Brian Henson said that they kind of second-guessed whether it was even a good idea to include this gag because they thought it might be going too far and breaking the reality of the, the Dickens world that they had established. But yeah. it worked really well with test audiences, so they just decided to leave it in. And then he said that also was what led to the decision to give the rats their own little side story in Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, that makes sense. So, yeah. and this gag, when this came out, this was definitely one of my favorite jokes in the movie. Just, well, it's very well, and it's Muppet showy, I think. Right. And it's in the trailer. Oh yeah. So okay. it was probably one of your favorite gags in the movie before you saw the movie. That's like, you, you know, yes, yes. I know um, I know that my brother Derek, well, we'll get to this in the song, but speaking of just knowing the trailer, my brother Derek used to always say 
Tis the season to be jolly and joyous. And that was the only line he knew. Because it was in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. He didn't know the rest of the song, even after it came out. Um, but he knew Heat but, Wave. Right. He knew Heat Wave <laughs> and Island in the Sun. Two different songs. It's, I wonder how they landed on that. On the the rats sing two different songs. Yeah, that are and just then like listed in the credits. Two words of Heat Wave. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was so perfect. Uh, yeah, it is. It's it's brilliant. I love it. Uh, but but then what happens next is that Gonzo announces that Scrooge's nephew Fred is at the door, and Rizzo doesn't see him, and then is frightened <laughs> by his knock. Yeah, which that, that's really weird. <laughs> like, well. It's weird, but it's one of those things that like Steve Whitmire executes it so well that I think it works. Yeah, the yeah. little like the, the little like jumpy Wembley like hop. Right. You know? So he's just sitting on the windowsill, I guess. And when Fred knocks, it just startles him so much that he falls off the windowsill. Yeah. Okay. Why not? <laughs> sure. I think it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is funny. And then we get the shot of his little legs uh, kicking as he's upside down in the snow. Right. Awesome. Um, so then, uh, nephew Fred comes walking in. He's played here by Stephen McIntosh, is the actor's name, who works all the time. I mean, he was in like some of the Underworld movies. He was on the British cop show Luther with with Idris Elba. Hmm. Uh, he was just in Rocket Man not too long ago as Elton John's dad. Oh, um, like a but, lot of TV, a lot of British TV, a lot of British TV, right? But in my heart, he'll always be the luck child from the Storyteller episode of the same name. Right, until I was... mentions the Storyteller. Until I was looking stuff up for this, I didn't realize that that was the same guy. That was just a few years before this. Yeah, really? Yeah. And you've seen that a bunch of times, right? I, I haven't seen that one. Was that one in uh, well, an episode of the Jim Henson Hour? No, it's not. Okay, so it's yeah, I've, I've seen those episodes fewer times than I've seen the ones that were on the Jim Henson Hour. Right, yeah, me too. But every once in a while, I'll just like put all nine on, yeah, just to like just to like hear John Hurt say words. Yeah, like, I've been meaning know, to doing stuff. to rewatch all of the Storyteller. You should; it's the greatest. Yeah, uh, and he's good in it. You'll sit, you'll watch it, and you'll say, "Oh wow, it's nephew Fred." Yeah. <laughs> and then, so what's interesting about his part in this scene is that he's like not in a Muppet movie at all. It's like he really only interacts with Scrooge, and there's no kind of other things going on. So he, I feel like yeah. he's in his own movie, basically. At least for this part. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the rats applaud for him at the end. Yeah, but I don't even think he acknowledges them. He's like, just straight on. It's like, <laughs> right. yeah. Michael Caine, and that's it. Right. Huh. Well, like, you're working with Michael Caine. You right. know, you're a young actor. Like, I'm sure that's, I'm sure that was, I mean, maybe he'd been a Muppet fan. He's a young guy, you know. He probably grew up with the Muppet show or whatever. But but he grew up with Michael Caine a lot more, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, as a, as a British British child. Every child goes to see Elfie, right? The Italian child. <laughs> um, but anyways, so Fred comes, he cheerfully comes walking in and says, hello, uncle. He just walks in the door and says, a Merry Christmas, Uncle Scrooge. And then at this point, Rizzo, uh, having fallen in the snow, his, his legs kicking in the wind, as Ryan said, uh, they, he schemes to get inside because it's warmer in there and Gonzo and Rizzo do indeed go into the counting house. So... The rest of the clip is Scrooge and Fred arguing about whether or not Christmas is worthwhile and Rizzo just kind of muttering asides about it. Yeah, Rizzo says that it's colder inside. Yeah, he's right. They get in there and he says it's colder. Well, and this is exactly what you were talking about, Marissa, with like this movie. One of the great things about this movie is that they have a chance to do all this like meta commentary stuff. Right. That, yeah, it's like that... they comment on the mood and they're kind of having their own little adventure while 
Scrooge and his nephew are having this conversation, which is like a completely serious scene between the two of them with like no Muppet, you know, intervening. Right. And then we'll just cut to Rizzo, like saying mm -hmm. like, oh, the, the old boy is speechless or whatever. Yeah, that's that you works know? really well when S Scrooge says, what right have you to be merry? You're poor enough. And Fred says, what right have you to be dismal? You're rich enough. And then that's when Rizzo says, he's got him there. The old boy's speechless. And then Scrooge gives the whole speech about um, cooking people with their own turkeys and burying them with a stake of holly through their heart. And Rizzo says, well, not quite speechless. So that's, <laughs> right, like, is... that's exactly what you want when you have Muppets doing a, an adaptation like this. Right. Well, it's it's interesting. Like, I, I, know, you're a, I know you're a Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, yeah. Ryan. Like I am, and it feels a little bit like that, right? Like it's, yeah. it's like Joel and the bots commenting on the movie or something. Right, like this scene would play out whether Gonzo and Rizzo are there or not. But yeah, Rizzo is just adding extra comedy value to it. Right, because this, like, and, and specifically this dialogue yeah. is one of the things that's in every single adaptation, right? Mm. Ne Nephew Fred shows up and, you know, says like, Christmas is good. And Scrooge <laughs> says, Christmas is bad. Yeah. And that's that's like what their whole scene is. And um, although here, what it like like I said earlier, the the button on the end is that Fred says his line: uh, "Christmas is a loving, honest, and charitable time." And though it's never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that Christmas has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. And then the rats all cheer for them, which is of course not in the book or in other adaptations. <laughs> sure. But uh, it's great. I think it's such a nice little button on it. Yeah, they're just like, it's like, yeah, take that, Scrooge. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it. hard to have a Christmas movie where like it has to argue for the celebration of Christmas. <laughs> right, right. Um, but so that does bring us down to the end. I did want to mention a couple of other things in the book. Um, you mentioned Ryan. You mentioned the famous speech Scrooge has in the book. That speech is, if I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled in his own pudding. See, I remember Scrooge McDuck saying that in the the Mickey version. Yeah, right. Yeah, he does. Everybody does. I was sort of anticipating it, it here, but yeah, he doesn't say it yeah. in this version. Right, and I don't know why. If they just felt like that was too British yeah. and like American, uh, like for real, like yeah. American audiences would think, or you know, children, yeah, would maybe. think it meant like chocolate pudding, or right? Something, right. You know. <laughs> um. But it's, it's what's the line instead? Did you have that written down? Yeah, the like, line instead is cooked with his own turkey yeah. instead of boiled with his own pudding. Yeah, which is, I guess, sure, it's just as Christmassy or whatever, but yeah. it's weird every time and equally yeah. uh, unpleasant, right? Yeah, right. With, like the stake through the heart of Holly, like that, yeah, uh, buried with a stake of Holly through his heart. Yeah, yeah that's that's brutal, yeah. <laughs> it's super brutal, and it's right out of the book. And doesn't Scrooge McDuck say that he does, right? He still says it. Maybe not. Uh, I don't remember for sure. I didn't. I that just the boiled with his own pudding stuck out to me. Yeah. Sure. So, so, so maybe that's how they softened it there. They cut out, <laughs> cut out, buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Yeah. He, he only yeah. wishes murder on people. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't wish them to be buried in humiliating ways. Right. Which, um, yeah, because because all those other guys say it. Alistair Sim, George C. Scott, Patrick yeah. Stewart. They, you know, Jim Carrey probably. I don't, I don't probably. Know. The other, the other, a couple of other notes about the book. Uh, in the book, there, there's no s s bookkeeping staff, of course, to ask for a shovel full of coal for the fire. So we, but we do get some business about how 
Scrooge had a very small fire, but the clerk's fire was so very much smaller that it looked like one coal. And then it goes on to say how like Scrooge wouldn't let him get any more, you know, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, so, so that scenario of like cold does come from the book. Obviously, there's no heat wave island in the sun, right? That. Um, but the thing that I think is weirdest about this section specifically is Bob and Fred both don't have names in this section of the book. They are oh. referred to only as the clerk and Scrooge's nephew until until he goes to their house with with Christmas present. That's when we find out their names. Oh, the really? Huh. Mm-hmm. That's and the I, I've thing. Always, yeah, I've always thought it's probably because, like, we see them how Scrooge does. Like, who are they? To oh, him? yeah, a guy who works for him and his sister's son that he doesn't like. Right. <laughs> right. You, you you know, but we obviously we do find out both of their names later. But I like how Gonzo identifies them both by name here. In not not Bob Cratchit here, but he did earlier. You know. Yeah, I, and I think you kind of have right? to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But Scrooge's nephew, Fred. Gonzo says in this one. Right, yeah. Which is also Which is my dad fun because oh well you were just gonna say it's your dad's name. I was just gonna say Fred is my dad's name. But I was, I've always loved I was gonna dad. say it's also it's fun because so many early uh Muppet projects had characters named Fred. I, I I wrote an article about this for Tough Pigs once about how in the early years of the Muppets, there were just like anytime there was just like a monster or some random creature that needed a name, it was likely to be named Fred. Right. Awesome. Um, all, all right. So do either of you have any other thoughts about these minutes before we close? Marissa, I'll start with you. Um, just what about the I, movie in general, if you want, you know, if you want to. I was going to say, I wish that I had my own little staff of rats to comment on my day and uh, keep me happy and laughing. <laughs> sure. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to point out, we do get to hear Scrooge say, bah humbug which we have not heard him say yet. Last time, I think, we heard him just say humbug. Just say humbug. So now here it is, the entire catchphrase, bah, humbug, when Fred comes in to say Merry Christmas. Uh, And also, speaking of Fred, other uh, adaptations featuring established characters from other franchises. Uh, Fred has been played by uh, Donald Duck, uh, we may have mentioned. Bugs Bunny, uh, a character named Ned in the Flintstones version. I don't know if that's a pre-established Flintstones character. And of course, um, Rich Little as Johnny Carson as Fred in Rich Little's Christmas Carol. But I do really love like looking at one thing being adapted across so that you like, like what makes a Christmas Carol story? Like what elements do you have to include? Yeah. And what elements, you know, are there your own making? And um, there's even like my my daughter who's six now. Last year when we watched it, she was like, "Oh, there's a My Little Pony episode that oh. like goes through these motions." And they don't even call it Christmas because you know, like cartoons right. now, they, they always come they up with like a big holiday to like be inclusive. I, I I can tell you right now that it's Hearthswarming Eve. <laughs> Hearthswarming Eve. <laughs> nice. Even though it's not Christmas, there's still a Hearthswarming Eve Carol <laughs> right, that she can right. like recognize the elements from when we made her watch both versions of a christmas carol with mickey and muppet right that rules. so who is the um, nephew fred of a hearth swarming I, cannot carol? Tell you a hand. Oh. <laughs> I i don't you know i'm sure i've seen that one because because iris was watching that all the time <laughs> too i don't remember i'm gonna go ahead and guess that it was fluttershy okay i don't know that, um, that sounds like emotionally true <laughs> right Which that's the thing that's, right, fred. yeah um but uh, i was gonna say also mcnulty from the wire because 
Dominic West plays nephew Fred in the Patrick Stewart movie from 1999. Oh, nice. So I'm just going to assume that that's him. That's Jimmy McNulty in character. In yeah. for some no, I, yeah. I should probably be looking at the casts of all these other like non-cartoon adaptations of the story. Because I'm sure there have been a lot yeah. of notable actors who have played these characters, but it's just fun to say, like, Bugs Bunny. Right. Right. Bugs Bunny is is more fun than Dominic oh, West. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Donald Duck, and that's actually, like, if, if, if I can completely geek out about it, that's one of the last times Clarence Nash played Donald Duck, if not if not the very last It might last be time. the last, yeah. Yeah, because he died in 85, I think, and that's 83. Yeah, you know, I like. I'm there's probably some. I bet. It's, I bet the last time he went into a studio to play Donald Duck was like for a record. Oh, that could be. Yeah, you, but you, you know, it's also appropriate because Donald is actually Scrooge's nephew, and there right, they are in playing, real life. In real life, yes. <laughs> and there they are playing a, a fictional uncle and nephew. <laughs> right, right. Although that's the uh, that's to the talking about how economical Mickey's Christmas Carol is. That scene with Donald is like 30 seconds long. Yeah. It's right. Like you don't just, have time for, you know, any of the asides, any of it, just like in and out. Right. It's just like, hey, Scrooge has a nephew, right? Here he is. It's Donald But Duck. yeah, you ha- you can't leave him out though. No, no, of course. It's 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 wonderful that he's there. It would be heartbreaking if he wasn't. That that special would not be a classic if he wasn't. Like right. <laughs> you know? Um, but so that's that's the end of the episode. But Marissa, we like to ask our guests. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie and what's your history with it? And then also, where would you rank it among the Muppet movies? Okay, I don't really remember exactly the first time that I saw it, but my sister was uh, a theater kid and she was like a good, had a very good voice and she was like singing. So she would watch and fast forward to the songs pretty much like for the entire month of December, including the, the love song that I think isn't included <laughs> in every version. Yeah, you know, when, when like love that. is gone. Yeah, that kind of matched her voice. So that when you think about like my first memories with this, it's like pretty much her doing the songs. And this was this was your old, this was your older sister, if I can ask. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. older sister. Okay. Aww. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I should give her a call after. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> definitely like, should. You know, it's it's almost summer, but we're gonna talk about Mother Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's part of the weird like it's June right now when we're recording this. And that's been really weird for me this whole time, like to spend this much time thinking about yeah, Muppet Christmas. Christmas Carol. Yeah, and and a Christmas Carol, because I'm looking stuff up from the book for every episode too. You it's know? kinda so nice it's though. Like, it it is. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> you know, people don't name kids Ebenezer anymore. <laughs> no, like they a don't. lot of wacky names that are daycare, but Ebenezer is not one of them. <laughs> you, you know you never know it it'll make a comeback just, like, yeah salted the earth with some... all that humbug <laughs> right yeah <laughs> some celebrity right. will name their kid ebenezer and then it'll make a comeback i think it's time for a comeback yeah an ebenezer yeah. comeback right um and, and then the other question was where would you rank it among the muppet movies okay so i don't really have a hard and fast ranking but i will say i like this less than the original movies but better than the other kind of literary adaptations so like better than muppet treasure island sure yeah, me too. For that one, I I remember my daughter watched it when she was like really little, and and she kept saying like Kermit, like because he like disappears for like large swaths of it. Sure. Yeah, I actually I actually just tried to get my four year old son to watch Muppet Treasure Island yesterday because he's been really into pirate stuff lately. But I'll save you we ended up. Finale. 
Right, but he just wanted to watch the Page Master again. <laughs> he's weirdly, <laughs> he's really weirdly obsessed. One thing. <laughs> yeah, he's weirdly obsessed with the Page Master, a movie from 1994 that nobody remembers or thinks about ever. Your kids have such a weird, like, media literacy, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like. How did they watch the page master the first time? I guess was well, my biggest question. Well, okay, so the question is, I had the answer to that is that I had made a spreadsheet recently of directors whose movies I've seen most of them, but not quite all. Sure. So um, I was trying to see them all. And Joe Johnston of like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer, yeah, he's Captain great. America fame. He directed the live action sequences in The Page Master. The like bookends, the live action bookends. So I was like, well, I better do it. I never saw it back <laughs> yeah. in the day. But it's, corners. <laughs> yeah, it's like 75 minutes long and I could watch it with the kids. What I didn't know is that Miles would be like, this is my favorite movie I've ever seen. <laughs> we, were, we were on the playground yesterday and he's like, do you want to play the page master? <laughs> you, you'll be Richard, which is Macaulay Culkin. And I'll be Adventure, which is the book, the pirate book voiced by Patrick Stewart. Wow, I love that. So, so that's what happened. I love the idea of him just like going around the playground calling you Richard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plus, it's weird that Macaulay Culkin's name in that movie is Richard. Richard. You know? like, well, he had just played. Seems like Richie Rich, right? Like, so that's true. We had just played Richie Rich same year. Yeah, nineteen ninety four. Oh, yeah. He was big on Richards that year. Big year for Macaulay Culkin being Richard, I guess. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so we don't need to talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's uh, so let's I think we should just go ahead and close it there that's it for today listeners you can check out toughpigs.com on the internet Facebook Twitter we're all over the place if you so if you feel so moved to do you can become a patron uh, of ours at Patreon and you can always email us with any comments questions or indeed concerns at moving right along at toughpigs.com you can follow Ryan on Twitter at me Ryan Rowe and you can follow Ryan on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist. Marissa, where can our listeners find you on the internet? I'm on, on Twitter. Okay, I started my Twitter before. Like, you had to give it out on podcasts. So I'm sorry about this. But it's at mar to go with underscores. It's at M-A-R underscore T-O underscore G-O. Yeah, that's distinctive, yeah. though. Like, visually distinctive. <laughs> um. And I think I'm also, that's my name on Letterboxd, too. Oh, awesome. I don't think I follow you. So I don't I'm think I follow you guys either. That. So we're going to yeah. do that after this. <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right. And thank you again to Stacey Rosen for writing our theme music. Thank you to Morgan Davey for creating our logo. And don't forget to give us that positive review on your podcatcher of choice that you've been meaning to do. And also don't forget to tell every person you see on the street to listen to Moving Right Along. We'll be back next week with another episode. Goodbye. Heat wave. <laughs>